0: You're listening to Future Thinking from Stylist, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylists.com.
1: Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylists. I'm your host, Christian Ward. And on today's episode, I'll be talking to Molly Baker, founder and CEO of US marketing agency Indy Consulting about key marketing necessities every brand needs to understand to drive growth in a post-COVID world. And stick around to the end for our next big opportunity feature, where we highlight a vital consumer need or challenge that's yet to be solved. But first, we kick off with the innovation of the week, where we showcase the one big new innovation you need to know about right now. In this episode, I speak to Ella McDougall, Stylus's product design assistant editor, about an innovative new toothbrush made from plants.
0: So it's a new product from a UK startup called Suri, the sustainable sonic toothbrush. It combines a bio-based disposable brush head with a reusable aluminium handle. The head is made from a cornstarch-based polylactic acid, while the bristles are made from cast oil. So it's essentially a plant-based structure, meaning it, that it can be easily recycled. In fact, you can send it back to Suri to be recycled for free. It also has a simple, modular design to allow for repairs. This means Suri can fix, reclaim, or recycle materials from older brushes.
1: Well, it sounds amazing, but why is this such an important development in your mind?
0: Well, toothbrushes are incredibly wasteful, with an estimated 1 billion manual toothbrushes being disposed of each year in the US alone, and electric toothbrushes aren't much better, with plastic heads and batteries leaching harmful chemicals when thrown into landfill.
1: So there's a clear gap in the market here that Suri is trying to fill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 53% of global consumers have switched to lesser-known brands because of their sustainability credentials. So there's a big audience here for products like Suri's. And even though it's pretty expensive at £120, Suri hopes that potential purchasers see that the longevity of the reusable and repairable elements make it a worthy investment.
1: What does marketing look like in 2022 as we emerge from two years of lockdowns, home working and everyone being very online? I spoke about this with Molly Baker, founder and CEO of Indie Consulting, a boutique US marketing agency focused on digital transformation. Indie Consulting, which was founded three years ago, works with brands from large conglomerates such as Unilever to independent businesses such as Goodpop and the King Arthur Baking Company. So you launched three and a bit years ago, and so you had a year of normality and then COVID happened. So how did that change the way you worked and how did it change the way that your clients' priorities sort of evolved?
2: I think COVID was kind of a reminder that that content is king, right? And there was such an s- emphasis around that probably five years ago when social media really started to take a stakehold and content was top of everyone's mind. How do we write blogs? How do we produce, produce, produce? And then we kind of drifted away from that and got really into big data and technology and automation and. I think the aspect of content and actual communications were almost lost for a year or two there. And COVID, I think, did a nice job of reminding us that you can have all the data and technology in the world. But if you don't have a message that's that means something to someone, it's it's lost, right? And with COVID, the content consumption that we are seeing obviously skyrocketed. And I think at least with some of our clients, there was almost this moment of panic of, oh God, we don't have enough to show people or connect with people. So I think that it was a good reminder for Indy as a business that we need to, even though we do so much on the digital side to think through smarter ways of working and how to leverage data and technology, that the content and communications are equally, if not more, important.
1: Obviously you work with, you work with big brands, but you also work with, with much smaller brands just starting out. And I'd be really interested to hear about how you build a brand from a kind of starting position to launch into a market. What are the sort of conversations you have initially? What are the tactics that your strategies that you look to use to, to sort of build that momentum through to, to launch?
2: The way that we typically approach a new brand is first to understand, do they have a good sense of who they are as a brand? How do they want to show up? What do they want to talk about? How do they want people to experience them? Is the foundation, right? So, for one of our clients that we've been working with for the past few years, when we first partnered with them, the the good news was that they had their brand presence pretty much established in terms of who they wanted to be, how they wanted to show up, how they wanted people to experience what they were offering, but they did not have a clear sense of where to do that and how to do it. So, we've initially worked on reprioritizing their platform presence and the investment they were putting behind that. So we did a whole refresh on their investment strategy, worked through that aspect first so that they weren't just flushing money down the toilet because no one ever wants to be in that position. And then from there, once that was in a better place and we could start to dial up spend based off of the success that we were seeing, we refocused in on own channels. So how could they refresh their social media presence and grow a base there organically? What does an email program look like? How can they work with small influencers just to extend reach in a in a credible way? And then once that was in a good place and we were driving quality traffic to their D2C experience, how do we make that even better and, and improve cart abandonment rates and increase average order size? So we did a, a whole refresh on their UX design. We ended up re-platforming from WooCommerce to Shopify. And that has helped us jump and increase in growth. And now we're at a place where we're really thinking about retention best practices and what does it look like to drive multiple or repeat purchase? How do we potentially work on an affiliate marketing program? So we've kind of over the course of three years gone through a journey of these spikes of growth that we can then hopefully maintain and then bring in a new project and a new work stream so that we're hopefully continuing to to increase momentum over time.
1: I just wanted to go back briefly to something you mentioned previously about working with the owned media of of the brand, because so I think this is a this is one of the hardest things. Every every brand knows that they need to have a social media presence, they need to be blogging, or they need to be making videos, they need to be making content of some description, and it's very difficult. It's very difficult to grow a social media presence as a brand, especially from a standing start. So it'd just be interesting to hear about some of the tactics and strategies that you use in that, in that instance.
2: I think the two biggest things that we always are trying to remind people and work on when we take on sort of projects or strategies, planning is absolutely critical and consistency. I think a lot of times, you know, especially in the social space, it's like, I'll put the intern on it and we'll just let them kind of rip around, do whatever makes sense. And that I think if you're going to have a hard time building a community if there's not some sort of strategic thinking that goes behind it. I mean, ultimately, your own social presence is your brand coming to life through a specific platform and channel and personifying that brand and finding whether it's, you know, common themes that you're talking about or someone I was having a conversation with someone earlier this week about how do you almost create inside jokes with your community and your followers and. Finding those connection points, whether it's through humor or some other sort of emotional connection, will create, I think, a strong base and, and therefore hopefully bring other people in as well. But consistency, I think, is also key. People don't want to follow someone that isn't giving them things, whether it's, you know, a, a constant stream of updates or entertainment, but that value exchange needs to be there. And I think so often it just gets, put on the back burner and then people are surprised that their their communities are growing. so i think you know to some extent building a social following building a brand it takes time and the effort that you put in today usually doesn't come to fruition until later but just keeping that consistent effort going i think it usually ends up returning at some point
1: yeah so let's talk a little bit about sort of long-term thinking i mean we, we We have been through a period where pretty much every brand has had to react in a fairly short-term way to to the sort of volatile global events that are going on. But now that we are sort of moving out of that period, how do brands get back to long-term thinking?
2: I think at any given time, there has to be sort of two strategy work streams happening. I think there has to be a brand strategy that's constantly being worked on and improved upon. And then there has to be a a more activation moments based campaign based strategy uh, that's happening in parallel. Both need to happen at the same time, which isn't an easy task. I think the way that we try to overcome that is by implementing, there needs to be annual planning, but then there also needs to be quarterly planning as well. And monthly reviews and weekly check-ins and just having that touch point and the opportunity to make changes, we don't know what's going to happen. I think if anything, over the past two years, we've learned that everything can change in a day, in a week. So I think establishing what those touch points are, where you can easily make adjustments to the way that you work and, and the content that you're putting out and the marketing that you're doing just allows for that flexibility. We have a lot of brands that were just operating on an annual planning cycle and an annual production cycle. And that I think has to be changed now. So that's what we've been trying to work towards to accommodate just more agile working in the future.
1: So let's think about the future. As you mentioned it there, what do you think the challenges are ahead for brand marketing? What are what are, what are the changing audience behaviors that you're seeing that that may be significant in the years ahead?
2: I think the challenges to some extent remain the same as they have been over the past five to ten years. Now, I guess at this point, I think the Digital space and the marketing space continues to evolve at, at such a rapid pace. And it's easy. I think the challenge is that it's easy to get lost in that, right? I mean, today we have the metaverse and NFTs and Elon Musk buying Twitter. And it's easy to just think, oh God, we're we're the fear of getting left behind sometimes can overtake all of the strategy and plans that we've put in place. And I think just staying focused on. How can I provide value and to my audience and connect with them? And if that means trying something new with a new tactic or a new platform, amazing, but it doesn't always mean that. So I think, you know, just being focused on the end user and consumer and audience group and what's actually going to be impactful to them is the, the piece that we're always trying to, to remind ourselves because it's just too easy to get bogged down in the swirl to some extent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in that respect, who do you think is doing uh, a great job of now nav- navigating these sort of accelerated times at the moment, whether that's brands that you work with or, or brands that you'd like to work with?
2: I'm loving what Adidas is doing these days. I think their sports bra campaign that they pushed a couple months ago was fantastic. They came out with a out-of-home placement and some digital assets that basically showed lots of different women who have different needs in terms of sports bras and that they are coming out with a whole custom selection of sports bra options and it was an impactful visual that i think elicited a lot of emotional reaction from people whether good or bad and it was simple it wasn't it wasn't anything overly complicated by data or technology, or it was, a, it was a simple message that could be absorbed quickly, but it was impactful in the sense of showing people things that they don't usually see or, or even think about to some extent. And I, I don't know if Arizona iced tea is a US, I think based brand, but they recently, like in last week, I think came out with a whole push around how even though we've seen these crazy spikes in inflation over the past year, especially in the U.S., um, they're keeping their 99-cent Arizona iced tea prices consistent. And again, while simple, it's a nice play into being relevant around what's happening, staying true to who they are as a brand, finding a way to make it work despite the changing environments that we're living in. So I think it just doesn't have to be that complicated all the time. and, And both were great examples of being relevant, providing value, and still being consistent to who they are as brands.
1: Now, the next big opportunity. This is where we look at consumer needs and gaps in the market that still need to be addressed by brands, businesses, and startups. I asked Molly for her thoughts.
2: So I've moved around a lot. And I think the moving business is so antiquated. <laughs> like, it's absolutely horrible. There's, you have to get on the phone, you have to call someone. There's no technology, like paperwork that you have to fill out. There's no sustainable options for boxes and packing things. Everything always gets broken. Like, it's horrible. So if I ever was to start another company, I feel like I would have to start a moving business that is different because it's so bad.
1: I asked Marta Indecker, Stylus' consumer attitudes and technology researcher, for her thoughts on Molly's response.
0: This is definitely an area right for disruption. Especially when it comes to millennial and Gen Z consumers, as they are the ones driving the shifts in home buying behaviors. They're getting some advice from TikTok, where the hashtag buying property tips has over 30 million views, and real estate stars such as Queen Williams can attract over 350,000 followers. They're also using some digital tools such as Nude, which is a UK based app helping first time home buyers to save for deposits. And they're also willing to take some risks to get on the property ladder. Nearly 80% of millennials said that they would buy a home, sight unseen. So it's safe to say that they're a generation that's ready to find new ways to find, to purchase and to refurb properties, offering huge opportunities for brands who are ready to innovate in that space.
1: That's it for this edition of Future Thinking. I hope you enjoyed it and I'd love to hear your feedback. On Twitter, we're at stylus_live. underscore live. And I'm at Christian Ward. And on Instagram, you can find us at WeAreStylus. See you next time. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at Stylus.com. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.